Broncos, Broncos, and never man repping for the Broncos, 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 and never man repping for the Broncos. Oh, welcome to Movies for Babies Nights. We're here. <laughs> we're we all the all the bosses have gone to sleep, and now the mice will play. Welcome it's... to welcome to movies for babies. I am I am one of your hosts, Justinius. <laughs> and I'm Vernanus. <laughs> and I'm Kevimulus. Regardless, I don't I don't know how you guys feel about the movie. Uh, but regardless <laughs> of how you guys feel about the movie. You have to admit, Trajanus every time is a very funny line. <laughs> we will, in in case these cuts aren't deep enough for you folks, uh, the movie that we've cut, that we watch for today is Gentleman Broncos. The movies that we have babied today is the Jared Hess joint Gentleman Broncos. One of my favorite movies ever and it gets better every single time i watch it uh his third feature film uh he had two short films before napoleon dynamite are we talking uh, hess are we ta- are we talking hess i think we're breaking into to the hessography here. oh the hess hess heads are coming out all aboard we're on the hess express a chain of gas stations in florida the Hess Express, here we I'm on, are. I'm on my favorite game show, Hess Who? <laughs> this, we ain't talking Howard Hesseman, we talking Jared Hess. You know, when I, I, I invited him over to my place one night, and I and I said, Hess, who's coming to dinner? Uh, I, I was at his uh, baptism, and I said, God bless this Hess. When I was shopping... For electronics, he came with me, and we talked to a guy in a blue shirt, and I said, Hess, bye! We're talking Hess! It's Hess time! My favorite George uh, Harrison solo song is The Wreck of the Hesperus. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, uh, for some reason, that's what broke me. Um, so, so Jared Hess, um, inarguably one of the most successful indie directors of his decade, um, who, like, whose debut feature, one of the most successful debut features of all time. Certainly the 21st century. Certainly of the 21st century, right? After, after, in the millennium, it was, it's one of the big... Uh, independent success stories perhaps only beaten by Juno as far as breakout low budget indie uh, movies of the 2000s I would argue that while Juno had critical acclaim um, Napoleon Dynamite a movie that does not exist anymore um, (laughs) excuse me uh, Justin Justin were you asleep in 2012 no. when the napoleon dynamite animated series hit fox were you, were you fucking oh. taking a little catnap oh. <laughs> but no, this this movie was a cultural institution it was Absolutely. a juggernaut 
it was it, vote for Pedro t-shirts were they were the new tuxedo t-shirt. Mm-hmm. They were fucking everywhere, you know? Everyone... What are the cultural landmarks of the Bush administration? Right, of the... <laughs> well, uh, everyone... Was... I hate how accurate that is, but yeah. <laughs> one of the... Oh, one oh, of... oh, what? The movie about people... Uh, oh, the movie about people, like, fussing over past regrets and, like, missed opportunities, trying to live out their fantasies disastrously in the real world? Hmm. In a post-Matrix society, the first movie <laughs> to break out from underneath that thumb was a... I mean, like, it's one of those movies where you look at it and you're like, this was a fucking, like, box office juggernaut? This, this movie? Not quality-wise. This movie was, like, a, a, a touchstone for our generation? This is uh, something that's only happened, like, that I'm aware of, like, with The Shining and with Exorcist Part 2. But this movie, while it was in theaters, uh, they called it back for reshoots and shot a new scene of the movie, the the uh, the, the, the wedding. Dynamite. They shot the wedding between LaFonda and Kip while the movie was in theaters and, and you can tell because they actually had like a halfway decent camera to shoot the wedding scene. Like they yes. could afford the good <laughs> rental for that day. And they and they re-released the theater. Well, they didn't re-release. It was its theatrical run was so long they were able to uh, kind of what they did with cats. They were able to, to patch the movie <laughs> and you release a new cut with the Napoleon Dynamite was the cat of the of the aughts they released napoleon dynamite 1.2 you know patch mm-hmm. notes uh we <laughs> inserted new dlc of gibbs yeah. they, they edited out all the buttholes <laughs> from the cut yes oh shit that uh, i guess that funny. movie the movie napoleon dynamite got patched uh twice because when it was premiered at sundance it did not have the uh, opening credit sequence uh, of the dinner plates that uh, we're going to be friends by the White Stripes. Yeah, that was that was added in after MTV bought the distribution rights, and then while it was in theaters, then they added the uh, the wedding. So it got patched twice. The wow, that's mm-hmm. absolutely fu- that's fucked up in a good way. I love how fucked up that is. Absolutely, um, that they were like. They were making the money for the movie to like finish the movie as people were watching it. You know what I mean? It feels like it honestly, yeah. I we make jokes about video games, but that's how a lot of like big video games are released now is that they come they release out, they release the movie in alpha. <laughs> they, yeah, they release the they alpha build and then they, they bought and then like pre-orders for Napoleon Dynamite gave them enough money to like actually finish <laughs> fucking napoleon 2077 you know like they just they were like shit this ain't done (laughs) but well no no well what's great now is that you can now buy a season pass to napoleon dynamite and you get all uh, he does different dances in the climax yeah from Fortnite. you get all the builds as it comes out you don't have to pay each individually but that was like it was it was a fucking juggernaut it was everywhere and and justin is right that it did it did fade from the cultural consciousness, you know, as um, uh, movies became something that is very different from Napoleon Dynamite. 
Um, mm. You know, it it, it 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 did sort of rescind back from culture until, of course, uh, the short-lived animated series, which debuted like eight <laughs> years after the movie came out. Yeah. And has a uh, completely different sense of humor. Yeah. It has like And it's, boy it, does everyone sound eight years older. Yeah, exactly. It is, I think, all the original cast, if I remember the Napoleon Dynamite animated series. And I do. Um, it is the uh, it is the original cast. Uh one of the there's I there's one joke that feels very much like the original movie, and that is uh there's an episode where um it involves the FFA and it's Napoleon and Pedro, and they're competing in some, like, FFA competition. And, uh, they, they're doing, like, soil tests. And they ask, uh, they ask Pedro, how is the, uh, how is the soil? And he's like, that's eh, pretty good, I guess. <laughs> Which is very much a Napoleon Dynamite mm-hmm. joke. Yeah, whereas um, most of the jokes on the Napoleon Dynamite animated show were, here's the one that I remember. Someone is getting a, uh, titty twister, and they scream, reverse and their nipples reverse direction breaking the hands of the bully who is giving them a titty twist (laughs) that's what i remember from the napoleon dynamite the animated series now that might give you the idea that that show was good i would like to tell our audience right now it wasn't don't don't think you're it's not clerks the animated proto big mouth i i enjoy it it's it's different from napoleon dynamite that i Mm. the napoleon dynamite that i love and cherish it's a different flavor of napoleon sure. dynamite um it's a uh, it's bizarre that it you know it took eight years to make it a thing uh on on tv but and this will come up later on in uh in our discussion i'm sure but like how do i put this uh I have to use an uncouth uh, example here, and I do apologize for that. But like, okay, uh, the the album Thriller by Michael Jackson is was was one of the biggest albums of all time, mm-hmm. and Michael Jackson spent his entire career trying to top that album, and every mm-hmm. album he did was well received after that, but it was still considered like a failure in comparison to, to Thriller. Uh, and he, like, he, he kind of, like, tried to distance himself from that album. And I wonder, like, how much of that Jared Hess tried to do with how big Napoleon Dynamite was so, like, he wouldn't feel like a one-trick pony. And I kind of wonder that, like, one of the things I think that's kind of haunted Napoleon uh, Jared Hess in his filmography is... His, the critiques of his movie either being it feels too much like Napoleon Dynamite or it's not enough like Napoleon Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, like, that whole move to make that show was just like... Uh, I wonder if it was the Godfather 3 move with Francis Ford Coppola where it's like, I want money to keep doing the thing that I enjoy doing. I don't want to do this, but mm-hmm. this will be a huge windfall financially for me. Yeah, I wonder if it was something like that. That's what like sounds that. most likely, just because, like Kevin said, the sense of humor in it is so wildly different. Mm-hmm. But it's a, even just for a season, a consistent series of checks that Hess can cash. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, and let's, you know, I'm not meaning any disrespect, but, like, that cast doesn't necessarily book big uh eight years later either 
You no, know, like with no. the exception of Diedrich Bader, most mm. of that cast disappears sort of gradually. You know, and and you might yeah. see you might see John Heater every now and again, but like I feel as if Heater was hot for like four years up through like Blades of Glory, and then. I didn't see him again until a cameo on Comedy Bang Bang, the television show. I was thinking of the exact same. <laughs> and then I never saw him again. So Scott Ackerman yeah. might have killed him. Scott Ackerman, like John Heater might uh, not be alive. Um, and and that's sort of what, what happened to, to everyone. Even though, and we'll get to it, the main cast of this movie is, it's like a bizarro universe napoleon dynamite cast uh mm. but we'll we'll it, we'll, it is we'll it's well well it's i i feel like the best for those of listeners too young to have seen napoleon dynamite like its aesthetic is the best way i can describe it is flyover country strange yeah, it's yeah. it's it, 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 like it, it's an uncanniness to find in stillness and quietness, where nothing where it's weird because something happens and nothing else happens because that's the only thing that's happened in a uncomfortable amount of time. And it has this weird like, and I can't stress enough that like. Napoleon Dynamite was huge. And it might be, like, one of the last things uh, in our lifetime that will ever be huge in that kind of way. That um, isn't, and, you know, a branded uh, yeah. Marvel movie yeah. or something. Or uh, is that, like, self... Or is that, like, self-empoweringly weird? Yes. Um, I don't think, like... We have things that are big and they are very... Things burn very hot and fast now, whereas Napoleon Dynamite was like a log on the fire, where a lot of mm-hmm. things are like paper going up in flames. Yeah, but like, like four or five this, years. But this, but Napoleon Dynamite had this weird thing. I think uh, talking about what you were saying, Justin, about its uh, its uh, its air about it, and then like the middle of the country loved it because it is exactly mm-hmm. what real life is like for middle of the country. And then the sides yep. of the country liked it because it's so bizarre and Coastal so weird. elites were yes, laughing like, at ew. those podunk fools. So, like, two different uh, cross-sections of the country both loved this movie for very different reasons. And, sure. like, when their powers combined, uh, it was just uh, this big, big, big We get big, the TV show. Thing. We get right. the TV show. We get like uh, Hollywood like knocking down Jared Hess's door, and because like Nacho Libre comes very shortly. Two after, years like, later, yeah. uh, he's he's two years later. He's making a Jack Black movie. Jack Black at the height of his powers, like yeah, for this Nickelodeon, is... right? <laughs> yeah, for Nickelodeon. Um, Nickelodeon saw that MTV raking in Napoleon Dynamite money, and they were like. Uh, yes, please. And then they make Nacho Libre, a movie which I'm like, Jack Black is playing a Mexican wrestler. I've never seen the movie, but even in 2006, when I was 14, I was like, can they do that? Can they? <laughs> it, I, as someone can who Jack watched Black it, play it's a not, luchador? It, it's about a Catholic missionary. Oh. And monk. Mm-hmm. 
who dreams of breaking the again the again this is a very midwestern story imposed onto mexico of a guy who is stuck in a suppressive environment who just wants to live out his fantasy life in a way with like freely and without judgment yeah absolutely and and i don't know i again i was like i racial element aside i never i never got around to mm. to nacho libre uh which i think was a sizable enough hit you know it, it did it did fairly well um absolutely and then i think mm-hmm. i think again like it was very big but like it was it was like the album bad after the album thriller it yeah. was like yeah this is great but this is not it's you know uh, this this thing is like, huge but it's not like it's not the big thing that came before it it's so mall just, rats after clerks it's yeah. you know any any number of examples it's jackie of, brown after pulp fiction right which like you yeah. know jackie brown fucking whips but it was oh, it was not it was not viewed that way at at the time no. and uh I, i'm sure we can think of any number of examples of like oh we come off the big number one hit and then kind of a lukewarm uh sophomore outing uh-huh. from from yes. iron man to iron man 2 christ yeah. iron man to incredible hulk <laughs> later that year um you know did not golf failed to golf and it's not a it's not a thing where like it's it's the craziest thing. We're like I I'm I, I'm positive Nacho Libre did very well financially. I'm positive it was probably number one at the box office whenever it came out for at least a couple weeks. Mm, well, but, but despite uh, that, it, it was still considered a failure. The problem with Nacho Libre is it opened behind Cars. Oh, gotcha. It it opened behind Cars, but when all was said and done, it it pulled in eighty million dollars at the box office. Yes, yeah, a hundred is... mil worldwide. Which no, is but I, I, I do think money. it's more of a Iron Man speed racer situation. Right, where mm. both of those movies exist simultaneously. One is about, like, how art must persevere within these systems and how, how hard it is to maintain your integrity in the mm-hmm. business of the thing you love. And then the other one is Iron Man, which shoots speed racer dead in the street, which just, like... <laughs> blows it up like so many anonymous terrorists in the film iron man just well, no, like no, no iron man and cars do have the same overall story of going outside of the system you once benefited from that might have been negative and then just repurposing the system to realign with your supposed morals while well, changing your behavior none at all i'm sorry i was talking about speed racer um but yes, uh, you know any any number. Cars is two years mm. pre uh, Iron Man. Um, mm. But uh, but anyway, it's 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 immaterial. Um, Nacho Libre comes out big hit, and his third outing is the uh, movie we are here to discuss, Gentlemen Broncos. And this is I will not I will not use the phrase beginning of the end, but the success doesn't come anymore. <laughs> After, uh, mm-hmm. uh, starting with this one um, and I, I am not using that as an arbiter of quality because there are plenty of fucking directors I love who like just get completely overlooked for whatever reason and nobody goes to see their movies mm-hmm. um, it, Edgar Wright was in that place for a long time where it was like these movies are fucking great why is nobody 
going to see them. But anyway, um, but then like gentlemen Broncos, then it takes them like six years to make another movie. Yeah. With... And that goes straight to uh, view on demand. Yeah. Don Verdine, uh, which he, is he... also a super good movie. He keeps uh... pulling down excellent casts. Like he, he manages mm. to, to keep these great casts and he starts getting like a little stable of actors. Cause, cause Sam Rockwell and Jemaine Clement, uh, return for Don Verdine. And then mm-hmm. a few years after that is Masterminds, like um, mm-hmm. with Zach Galifianakis and uh, Jason Sudeikis, Kristen Wiig, oh, you know, very various SNL castoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a, a movie that I do not know anyone who has seen. Um, and then and then he's off to Netflix now with the Murder Among the Mormons. Yes. Uh, a uh, a thing that was because I live in Utah now was super hyped, uh, mm. but uh, Mormons yeah, were it's, fucking ready. It's a it's a it's a weird. If if I could ever meet Jared Hess, I would be the only person in the history of Earth that whose first question would be about Gentleman Broncos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't. You know, again, I don't know how familiar. Or maybe this is based on familiarity with his uh, filmography, but like, I get big autobiographical vibes from Gentleman Broncos, uh, and I feel like, how do I put this? It's like Napoleon Dynamite is like neutral. Uh, Nacho Libre is like. Jared Hess for the good, and Jared Hess using his powers for good, and like mm. Jim, uh, Jim and Broncos is like Jared Hess using his powers for evil. Almost, there's this kind of like sinister kind of like twang to it, and there's this kind of like bitter sweetness to it uh, that I'm very intrigued by. Uh, and well, it's a deeply cynical movie. Yes, there's a that's what it is as a cynicism. Um, and this makes it sound like it's a it's a joyous a joyless movie, and that's not at all the case. Um, but there's just uh, uh, he there's some heavy themes and some heavy things that uh, Jared Hess, the the guy who created Napoleon Dynamite, is dealing with. And uh, mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if just like maybe the success stopped because like people were not ready for this people weren't expecting the the goofy napoleon dynamite guy to like make a make a kind of dour at times movie about art i don't know my experience watching uh gentleman broncos was kind of interesting for me because i was um growing i i never liked napoleon dynamite okay i never did I, in no small part, because growing up, I was told I was just like the protagonist, which, when I watch the movie and see this fuck, I, even as a child, I knew this fucking horrible loser that no one likes and visibly can't relate to anyone, much less anyone relate to him. I was like, fucking why why would you say that to me like it's a good thing like thanks for the liger hot topic t-shirt but 
This is not a compliment to me. <laughs> Justin, I, uh... you ha- when you fucking carry around tater tots in your zip-up pocket, you gotta anticipate that people think you're Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> that's a... Uh... That's a, and maybe it's because I I meet Justin, what, 15 years after Napoleon Dynamite comes out? A decade mm-hmm. after it comes out? Uh, I do not see a, a shred of Napoleon Dynamite in my friend Justin. Uh, so this, so the, hearing this is bananas to me. Oh, no, because I was Napoleon, that Di- Napoleon Dynamite kid. I didn't okay. develop social skills until 11th grade. Um, gotcha. And so I, I was just the quiet kid who would say stuff that was either really smart or really weird and fucked up. Um, and I guess. watch, yeah, and watching Napoleon Dynamite was like, oh, that's it was uncomfortable because it, I, I didn't get that like again the 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 flyover weirdness. I am for better and for worse a creature of suburbia. I but guess. I got, I very much got that lonely kid who doesn't click with anyone around him a lot. And it did, and rather than the bulk of people of just like kind of laughing at his, oh, this guy's just weird. I just saw a very sad man (laughs) 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 who who desperately longed for connection and couldn't and always struggled to make it. I guess, like, because I I know my friend Justin is a very intelligent man, and oh, my friend you. just my friend Justin has like a lot of information that like every time he tells me about, it, I'm like, whoa, 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 like, uh, I'm a I'm a dumb guy, but I I guess I can see where like, if you are a person who does not talk for majority of the day, mm-hmm. and then the one time you do talk, it's with very intelligent, very good information about like falcons then you'd be perceived as a weirdo. Uh, and, you know, I, so I, or something like that. So, like, I, I, I guess it makes sense to me now. Uh, but also, as I said, I did not know Justin uh, before. Getting weird praise from the teacher but... for just knowing what a liger is. <laughs> like, oh, Justin is so astute in class. Like, <laughs> And Justin, again, when you say... A liger, it's pretty much my favorite animal. It's a lion and a tiger mixed. People are gonna call you Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I know, and that fucking Yeah, except I never saw him as an empowering figure. Or at least a likable <laughs> figure. I just saw him as this piece of shit. This, I like... saw Napoleon as only worthy of scorn. This buffoon <laughs> getting up on screen showing us his ass. Referring yes. to <laughs> You've shown me your whole ass, Napoleon. When Grandma tells him to make a damn quesadilla, it's as if she's telling the losers of the world to make a damn quesadilla. It's, uh... Chickens don't have large talons. Just look at them. <laughs> the, uh, the, the movies for babies crew of <laughs> Kevin, Justin, and Vern, like, by itself may not seem like a weird bunch, but if you if you group us as the people we were referred to and compared to growing up, uh, if you refer to us instead of Kevin, Justin, and Vern, but instead Luke Skywalker, Napoleon Dynamite, and Harry Potter, what a weird group! Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a weird, that weird group. is a fan fiction. 
if I've ever <laughs> some real ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny vibes coming from the the movies for babies crew. Um, so listeners, this was, if you I'm, write it, we will read it. We will read it on the on the air. So we Please. we got kind of sidetracked because like that whole thing was like sorry crazy i was to complaining me. about my childhood no no it's all good uh that's what we that's part of what we do here on movies for babies <laughs> um but so had so you said you were saying that because you did not like napoleon yes. dynamite because you hated napoleon dynamite you went into gentleman broncos with a with a different energy uh explain uh yes yes very much because uh, good god i am fucking benjamin um, because when you're sat, when you're quiet and you don't know how to talk to people, stories are the only way you can connect with anything. <laughs> and fuck, man. And I, what I do find so interesting about Gentleman Broncos is it takes that very, that very lonely perspective that I do think is a huge part of certainly the Midwest desperate is longing for connection and just really struggling to articulate it um and but also combining that with the cynicism that comes from probably being fucked over a good number of times in show business that is uh, that's interesting that you you also bring that up because that was one of the things that i really like this is the third or fourth time i've seen this movie and one of the things I really kind of took note of this time was this, like, this this thing that kept happening where, like, the only people in Gentleman Broncos that are, like, consistently successful with making art are, like, crappy people. Are people that take advantage of other people. Yeah, yeah. That it's are, not that just are, like, that they're hacks, it's that they're thieves. Yes. Um, and it's, uh, it's, a uh, it's, a uh, it was, it just really struck me this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe, like, uh, we're, we're getting into, a territory that I wasn't planning on getting into until later, but I think that's part of, like, why this movie resonates with me so much, and I think that's why it resonated with me, like, on an, un- on a subconscious or unconscious level, is that, like... Uh, y'all, uh, we three, um, just, despite what, whatever you might want to call it, like, we're artists, Mm -hmm. um, we, we make art, and it, you know, it it might be, like, art that you kind of turn your nose up to, but, uh, we've all been consistently making things for a long time, um, and we're all making things that... Uh, and I and I could be wrong here, and I, I understand that there's a bias because I'm in, I'm involved with a lot of these things, but I I think a lot of the art that we have made is good art. I think it's like mm-hmm. uh, not and, and there's a whole other thing like you know is there such a thing as good art or bad art or whatever, but like mm-hmm. I think everything we make is competent, and I think everything we make is uh, uh, beyond kind of what some of the uh, some other folks that we know do. Um, but, you know, Puffin's been going on for five years now, and, uh, we released an entire, you know, web series, uh, an hour-long web series, and we've done other projects together, but we've kind of, like, toiled in obscurity, and 
part of what's been kind of hard about this art making process, this whole thing of being an artist, is is watching people that we know who are both hacks and thieves and crummy people uh, do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you know, and 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 make art without struggle and make art without tribulation. Uh, and that's uh, that's really hard to digest sometimes. The way I see it, we live in a time that is technically the best time to be an artist. Mm -hmm. Because the means of production are more accessible and easier to do than ever before. Mm -hmm. And it is far easier to reach out and connect and find an audience now than ever before. The problem is that art is something that I, I think is fundamental in all human in all humanity. And everyone is in some way wants to be an artist. The, but the majority of people who want to be artists aren't willing to put in the time, the talent, or the effort to learn to become good artists. And so that we are live we live in a time where not only is there just a is bad art more accessible than ever before but the good art has to compete with each other now even harder than ever before which makes it hard to find art that resonates with you and almost more importantly it's even harder to make money doing it because if there's one of the fundamental laws of art is that capital hates paying the artist. Mhm. Yes. Uh they they hate paying the artist and uh, uh a lot of consumers of art mm-hmm. don't understand what goes into making art. Mm-hmm. Um and uh they don't understand that like you know to to write a novel like to you know i don't know there's this there's so many there's there's a lot of people that hear like what artists want for their art and they're like i could do it for that mm-hmm. um and it's all based out of a complete lack of knowledge of what goes into to making it whatever it mm-hmm. is uh and uh it's 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 crazy uh how how much art has been devalued in our lifetime especially coming in after a year where a good portion of the country all they could do is sit around the house and consume art mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like um it's a there's a it's a it's a sad lack of knowledge and understanding that like i i, I don't know it's, there's this people it's it's a common American problem where people yes. who think they know better uh, actually don't, but they're vocal well, no. about it. I, I think it's not just that. I do th- well, like the concept of pragmatism as an ideology did get its start in America, and it's a very you know frontier ideology of you know you only use what is like bare necessities and only what is most consistently and overly useful and materially useful. And art is not material. 
but it is very important. And so I think America, ha- the, the United States, has just this kind of twisted relationship with art where it tries to justify its utility in mostly material terms rather than engage with it on the abstract terms required to engage with art. But liking art for art's sake isn't really allowed, except for the most economically comfortable people. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this, uh, I think I've maybe talked about this on the show before, but I have a, I have a cousin who has made his art, uh, made a living through art for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's traveled because of his art. He's, he's done like, he spent a year of his life, uh, working on a, uh, on a soap opera in like Taiwan what? Uh, that's yeah, he's, rad. Yeah, he like he he's traveled, and that's just one place he's traveled with his art. He's been on um, like a, a German version of America's of whatever. Like Germany's Got Talent. He's he's traveled <laughs> for a long time. He 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 continually makes a living doing art, but like, uh-huh. and it pays the bills, and he's able to keep a roof over his head and all this stuff. But, like, he still has this from his parents where they're like, when are you going to get a real job? hmm <laughs> Not, like... It's like, he has a real job. It's art, but it's a real job. Uh, and uh, some folks don't understand that. Did we completely lose Kevin? No. I've... <laughs> I've been... Quiet. Because <laughs> in my... In my substance-addled state, I I guess I've just been trying to formulate how to tell you guys that I hated this movie. Okay, guys. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was, I'm trying to not, you know, be relentlessly negative on, like, the community pod when they want to start talking about shit I don't care about, like, Stranger mm-hmm. Things. I just stay quiet. I'm not here to, like, shit on things that people enjoy. I- I, and, I, I, no, I will say, Kevin, I did not especially like this movie. Okay. No, I, this is, with what, now this is better than, say, Scoob. Well, oh, that's not fair. That's but, not fair. This is better than Sonic. It's better than Sonic. But honestly, after that, <laughs> this is, I, I did not have a good Ooh. time uh, last night watching really? the movie where a snake takes a giant shit on mike white no i didn't i didn't okay i i will say the gross out stuff is easily the 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 lowest point watching the protagonist puke into a trash can and then do a big old smooch to the technically romantic interest who then and and that's a whole other point to go into who then who then swallows i mean like you know I was like, okay, Jared Hess, you wanted to do the Napoleon Dynamite gang again, and obviously your lead, the guy from Sky High, has like a different energy than John, but then it's like, oh, we have a uh, Mexican guy that talks funny, and we have our... and And he makes big shapes with it. Yeah, and we have our horribly underwritten female lead. Um, and I'm like, okay, I get our it. manipulative but bitch. I... I sat there and I laughed 
maybe one time. Really? Over the this movie is not funny to me. <laughs> um, I okay, because like I could have really been into Jared Hess remaking the movie Big Fat Liar, right? Okay, I could, that, I could, I, I didn't want to say it, but that is the <laughs> plot of the film. I could be really into Jared Hess remaking Big Fat Liar. I could be really into Jared Hess ripping off Be Kind Rewind from his buddy Jack Black and it be about these guys making, you know, weird, bad, independent sci-fi movies. I could be into the, you know, drama about the kid and his mom. His, like, weird popcorn mom. As as two struggling artists. Right. But, and I could be into a a guy exploring his own life, you know, and we keep cutting to the sci-fi story he's writing with Sam Rockwell. But, like, because they try to do all of it, none of it resonates with me at all. Like, I was an hour into this movie, and I was like, when does the movie start? When does <laughs> when does he steal the book? <laughs> when, like, when are we gonna do it? I, 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 I'm Vern, I'm sorry. I know this is, like, one of your one of your favorite favorite movies. I just... And then there's, like, a shootout scene with this guy. Right, who, right. I do with, not with, like, know who that guy fake is. Darts and... Who is that guy that yeah, he, he shot? Was... Because, because we're casting... Because apparently uh, nightgown designers need to, do, need to do the casting couch to get their oh, nightgowns into the That's who that stores. guy was? Yeah, yeah, he was. He he was the biggest. He was like the biggest nightgown distributor in like the tri-state area. Yeah. Uh, whenever she's, whenever Stifler's mom, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, is is crying in her car, she says like, "My nightgowns will never make it into pennies." Uh, oh. Implying J C pennies. Yeah. Sure. And I could, I could have been into like. Hey, all the homeschoolers are on a bus, a weird bus trip together. But then, like, that's just like one scene, <laughs> and it's it's, I, I did not, mm. I did, I did not have or, a good time. Like, or a son trying to reconnect with his father by writing a science fiction story about it. Sure, any of those, mm-hmm. yeah, but but it doesn't really do any of those effectively for me. And like, you have this huge section of the movie which is just like. Sam Rockwell doing some funny voices? He's Zaphod Beeblebrox again. Yeah, he's just doing Zaphod again. Just, like, with different, uh, with a different accent. He just spans the whole... And, like, those elements don't line up for me because it doesn't seem like the version that either our protagonist or Jermaine Clement would have envisioned, right? If I guess we're supposed to be, like, this is their, you know, iteration of the story... But why would the the Sky High Kids version of the story be like he has a terrible Southern accent? And why would Jermaine Clement's version of the story he's a mincing uh, well, uh, stereotype? Like well, I, yeah, I think... that, that I think is oh well, yeah again I think if the this the biggest issue with Genwin Broncos is it has a lot on its mind and it can't decide what it wants to talk about because the fact that the kid writes the 
like clear father insert as a man with no gonads but nevertheless coded very masculine while Jermaine Clement's like Orson Wellesian hack character mm-hmm. um writes the emasculated uh hero as coded very gay and effeminate well, can I so it, like, uh, there's is... something to that, but the movie just I doesn't go into it enough to explore so, it, at least in So here's how I take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjamin Purvis's version of this novel is gentlemen is uh, the uh, yeast wars or yeast mm-hmm. wards, um, whereas uh, Chevalier's version of this story is Brutus and Balzac, mm-hmm. and. I think there's some like, how do I put this? Like, I I don't think it's uh, handled super uh, gracefully because I think it's kind of a <clears throat> I, I don't I, I don't I don't know how to put this. You think uh, it's a stereo? You think he's coded gay? Well, no. What I think it is is Ronald Chevalier steals uh, Benjamin Purvis's book and makes it his own thing. And in in Chevalier's version it's called Brutus and Balzac. It really uh it plays up a lot of different themes that are not in Yeast Lords, mm-hmm. uh Yeast Wars. Uh it is a literal perversion of Benjamin yes. Purvis's art. And I think it's just more like supposed to those sequences where uh where Sam Rockwell is you know mincing about as you said like i think that's mm-hmm. more supposed to paint that picture that yeah. this is it, it, a... it was 2009 when being gay was still a punchline and that's it's not a knock yeah. on the movie that's just the it's culture a, it, yeah it's uh Kevin and i have talked about this before where there's a time in a, a young kid's life especially if they grew up in the midwest where everything is gay. Uh, we talked about this on a cavern. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. And and unfortunately for a lot of Midwest people, um, when they use the term, and I don't believe this, but when they use the term, like, that's gay, they use it in place of, like, that's bad. Well, that sucks. Bad. This sucks. And, like, I, I I kind of think this is, like, Benjamin Purvis's world worldview, where, like, Brutus and Balzac is, for lack of a better word, super gay. As in, like, mm-hmm. a super bad, wrong version of what he wanted. Like, there's, there's definitely a theme of, like, masculinity in the movie. Mm-hmm. Where, also... like, where Benjamin, is, or Benji, is kind of, he wants to be a man. And he's, like, preoccupied with his dead father's um masculinity and then like the people that seem to be most opposed to him or interfere with him the most are either tabitha who's just this kind of manipulative woman who's kind of into him but maybe just for his art or not it's not Mm -hmm. clear the romance is not well written if it's there and then there's the like there's the um androgynous uh luli And then Chevalier, who is not super 
masculine. He's that kind of soft masculinity because he's always wearing like jewelry and like pastels. Yeah, and and, mm. and uh, uh, turtlenecks, and then you know there's there's also the Mike White character. Um, no one will. I I don't know any characters' names. Mike White, mm-hmm. uh, but oh yeah, Dusty, uh, who's still masculine but still very and in- but in a very androgynous way because he has very long hair and he's like yeah very long beautiful like, kind of hair like, like, like slender and he's like teaching him you know how to shoot which is like you know that's a traditionally like masculine activity mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. there's a weird thing like it's it's a joke i didn't understand where he's dubbed over in the final you know the 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 yeast lords movie that's with like just an like Irish a shitty rogue? like that's just a shitty thing i think that's just framed as oh he got fucked over by the androgynous director too who for yeah. the record like wears like who is like usually wearing male coated clothes but then wears women wears female coated clothes in the movie right mm-hmm. he he plays a woman in the movie and he's always referring to his own to his own breasts. So there, there certainly is like a, a through line of masculinity kind, you know, but it's, it's not a through line that the movie is interested in real commentary on. It's just kind yeah. of a, th- a thing that is there. Um, well, yep. It's, it's implied that, and it may not be implied. It might be stated, but like, uh, that Benjamin Purvis's father died very young and the only thing we see, uh, we see a photo of his father, mm-hmm. and his father looks like Hagrid from uh, Harry Potter. Yes. Um, and they say, like, in a line of dialogue that he was a game warden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right away, like, in Yeast, Yeast Lords, you know, like, they, they travel around on, like, deer, uh... And but not just deer, it's stags. It's, it's the yeah, masculine bucks, deer yes. that are designed explicitly for battle. Yes. Um, and I think there's this, like, something going on there where, like, I don't think Benjamin Fur- Purvis knew his father or knew his father very well. Mm-hmm. And so, like, his adaptation, his book is an adaptation of his father that is, because it's an adaptation, there's a element of removal from the original mm-hmm. and then there's adaptations upon adaptations in different directions and things are getting far and f- further and further away from what the original are supposed to be it's like a like a game of telephone almost like the way chevalier is like a false father figure yes um but also so is mike white's character mm-hmm. um uh runner-up to survivor david versus goliath mike white <laughs> Uh, alleged survivor cheater Mike White. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of themes of masculine, and there's a masculinity, and one of the things that keeps popping up is like every time this gets emulated or copied or reproduced or added ad- ad- uh, adapted, it is different and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something interesting and fascinating there. Uh, uh, Kevin, you said you, you laughed one time at the movie. I have been trying to remember what that time was and I, it's not coming to me. Was it not? Now, okay. 
I, I want you yeah. to guess because you've seen it more than I have. I, I assume Do you remember it was who made you laugh? I was just thinking I assume it's something Jermaine did at one point, but I can't recall no. what it might be. Was it him saying moon fetus like Tim Curry? <laughs> I, uh, tra- it was probably, yeah, Trajanus is probably Trajanus something, something like that. But no. I, it's, it's a bad sign that I watched this yesterday and I can't, I can't, all I, all that's coming to my mind is just like a snake violently shitting all over white, Mike White. <laughs> just <laughs> like, I haven't seen, now this was obviously a movie from fucking 2009. Yeah. 12 years ago. So, but I I haven't seen a fucking a movie where someone takes that kind of shit in like a <laughs> long time. Well, we're I'm talking all, like gross out humor is all but uh, gone in our uh, babified, hypersanitized culture. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. Where where movies are about asexual Ken dolls that defeat giant beams of light in the sky um, by beaming it's like, at them. I feel like there must be something. I didn't, you know, I didn't make it all the way to Scary Movie 5. I would put money down on somebody gets poopy thrown on them in Scary Movie 5. Because that's just something that might happen in Scary Movie 5. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, it's been a lot. I was like shocked because I was like, God, when was the last time I was like watching a movie and someone like threw up on someone? Like, what was the well, last maybe time? Maybe American Vandal. I didn't see that. So that oh, would... there's like a whole season that's like true crime, but it's about poop. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I was gonna say the uh, I I'm sure that you guys maybe Justin uh, is familiar with um, Jim Hosking. Um, he uh, he made two movies, uh, the Greasy Strangler and uh, an Evening uh, with Beverly Loughlin. I uh, uh, saw an Evening with Beverly Loughlin. It was okay. it was when I when I uh, worked in housing at a film program a couple summers ago. That was a movie one of the RAs put on. That was the longest movie watching experience of my entire <laughs> and like and that movie another, has and another that movie, movie that I love. <laughs> and, and that movie has fucking Aubrey Plaza, it has Craig uh, 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 Robinson, it has Matt Barry, and it's like honestly the same thing with this movie where it feels like the performers were not given one ounce of direction it was just like do whatever you want do whatever voice you want deliver any line in any way <laughs> well no yeah because it, well, it, it's the air it's shooting for isn't accurate or authentic it's uncanny and just because that's just the kind of because that is kind of a marketing thing it's what sucks in a lot of people is just it, it, it's tim and eric shit it's seeing something that is almost like a real movie or a real tv yeah. show but it's just off enough off enough to keep your attention tim and eric is another thing i don't understand uh well uh, uh, i'll i'll say it right here i didn't really like i think you should leave i it's the same joke the whole time (laughs) i'm losing my mind oh wowee you don't Uh, like watching uh you don't like watching men just yell at increasing volumes no i don't (laughs) I don't like it. And I, I think Tim is funny in other things. He's very funny on that one episode of Documentary Now where they're bowling and he keeps yelling, suck my sack. That's comedy. 
That's that's common. Uh, and Dexter is a guy who loves Alf from the TV show Alf. And he, uh, it's, or no, I think his wife loves Alf. He hates Alf because Alf does not have good Christian values. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. It sounds super funny. It's the, like the last uh, episode of documentary now. Uh, would I've, recommend uh, that one. Oh, a, a show that is more concerned with duplication than being funny. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. I've that's that's why I've not watched a lot of um, documentary now. Um, watch that one. I, watch the bowling one. It's funny. I know. Like. Us three have worked together in creative uh, endeavors for for a long time, and uh, and uh, in several different uh, shapes and ways. Uh, there's been Kevin and Vern joints. There's been Kevin and Justin joints. There's been Vern and Justin joints. There's Kevin by himself. There's all sorts of uh, things. Kevin um, solo play. Kevin yes. uh, webcam. Uh, <laughs> Kevin and Justin's uh, uh, so- uh, sonic uh, psychic miasma. <laughs> and, uh, uh Vern's I, black mombaso <laughs> sorry it's all good uh and i i know kevin i know both of you guys but i know kevin's sensibilities a little bit better because kevin and i live together and also um we wrote scripts uh, together you know we, we did we, we did doom to you together yeah um and so and that was a endeavor um and so like i've always known that uh, Kevin and I's uh, kind of tastes were are, are different, um, and uh, and Doom to You is kind of like the uh, the middle of that Venn diagram, uh, and uh, and so I I knew like watching it last night. I there were definitely point watching Gentleman Broncos last night. There were definitely points where I was like. I, I, I have a sense that Kevin would not care for this. Uh, I didn't realize I was so off base that you would completely hate it. Um, because I I thought like Sam Rockwell makes a meal out of everything in this movie. And yes. so I thought like, I thought my thinking going into this recording was that like Kevin was going to say he loved the Sam Rockwell stuff, but hated everything else. Conceptually. Uh, you are correct. Concept, okay. like on a on a on a premise level, that was good money to put down. Love Sam mm. Rockwell, basically everything. It was just I couldn't get it. It was it was honestly like watching Tim and Eric, where it's so unmoored from even like a base concept that I I had trouble latching on to what was funny. Does that make sense? That, like, my problem with Tim and Eric is just stuff happening. It's just, mm-hmm. here's here's more stuff. What if this stuff happened? And I'm like, I guess, I, you know, maybe it'd be interesting if some stuff happened. But I... I, 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 I would argue that Tim and... That, that one of the big... One of the... As someone who likes Tim and Eric, one of their major faults is... It's not... More often than not, stuff just isn't just happening. They're making fun of or, like, giving pastiche to a to v- hyper-specific stuff. Like, public access TV to shitty DVDs you get at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. To, like, as their show, Beef Boys with just hyper-formulaic sitcoms. With um, Decker being like you know shitty conservative action movies or mm-hmm. on cinema 
just public access review shows or bad YouTube channels of reviewers. It's they're they're hyper specific. In which means if you don't immediately connect with that and see the humor in what they're replicating and riffing on, you're not going to find it funny, which considering how weird and specific Mm -hmm. energies they go for, I, I I absolutely understand. But it's, it's their stuff is reliant on your relationship to that in a way that say, Wayne's world is not even though Wayne's world is the same like we are making a shitty TV show in our basement but you could have no con no relationship to public access TV because you're nine fucking years old and like Wayne's world connects with you perfectly like like there's something about I need a little more and this is you know I'm not saying what is good and what is bad but I need a little more structure and a little more formula to really grasp on to something. Otherwise, I just feel unmoored. I feel untethered. And I, it, I comedy specifically, because I can do some like, you know, I love the movie Wings of Desire, which is like just complete, like a tone poem, you know, like it's just, it. there's, there's barely any through line carrying us together through that movie. Um, I can enjoy stuff like that, but with comedy, I'm like, I'm not laughing because I'm not aware of the base sensibility of what is going right. on. Um, and comedy is super subjective. Yes. I'm not, and I'm not, yeah, that's I, Tim and Eric, if anything, have built an entire career out of rejecting any, um, historical formula or comedic sensibility. No, it was just like, and like, I even, we talked about this recently because Tim Heidecker is on an episode of Community, um, that like, I even like, I like a lot of stuff Tim Heidecker's name is on. Like, I I think Mm -hmm. absolutely has produced a lot of stuff that I really fucking enjoy, like Andy Daly's Review, or or, uh, uh, there's any number of other examples, but like, I really... Mm -hmm. Comedy Bang Bang the TV show. Comedy Bang Bang the TV show. Which I, 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 I found a little, uh, I haven't seen all of it, but like, yeah, I like Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show. Um, but like, it, there's just something about like the, the base divorce from that, any, any structure at all. And other people seem to love it. And it seems to like bring them mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of joy. And that's, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not telling anyone that like your taste in comedy is, is bad. Um... But it's just it does not it does it does not grasp on for me at all. Like I think to even uh, use another Jared Hess example that like I think Rex Quando from Napoleon Dynamite is like a great character because there is mm-hmm. some base sensibility, there is some base reality, there is some. I understand what the joke is mm-hmm. <laughs> to Rex Quando. I understand what the joke is to Uncle Rico. I understand, and, you know, uh, Jared Hess has been defined by whether something is too much or too little, like Napoleon Dynamite. But, like, I understand the base comedic reality of Kif. Mm-hmm. Or Kip. Kif is Futurama. Kip is Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. But I, I understand what is funny about them. 
I don't understand what is funny about Sam Rockwell doing a gay guy voice. That's what I don't understand. Well, like, the Napoleon Dynamite stuff is also much more grounded in reality. Like, it's much more playing off flyover country tropes of, you know, the shitty white the shitty white martial artists or the... Yeah. Like, or, like, or, the, uh, bur- like, or the burnout athlete. While, like, I, I, the stuff in Gentleman Broncos is like it's like the sam rockwell stuff it like gentleman broncos leans much more heavily into the artifice of film like it's much more kitschy and it's much more almost campy Uh than the very boiled to the bone discomfort and um almost comedic grimness of napoleon dynamite yeah, and there's a lot of like, and 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 I don't hate camp, right? Mm. Or like, I don't like I um. There's actually a lot about the way that Jared does movies that feels like, what if Wes Anderson never got a budget? You know, mm-hmm. what if Wes Anderson was stuck at bottle rocket level forever? And like, what would his movies look like? Maybe kind of like this. Mm-hmm. And like, there there's a my favorite of his movies. You know, they're also like playing arch. They're playing these wild characters with 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 names, but there's like some. I guess there is just some like emotionality or groundedness to it that keeps me moored in a way that where like uh, Jermaine, as much as I love Jermaine, uh, like he's hilarious in Flight of the Concords and what we do in the shadows and like all this shit. He's just so not connected to anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, it is funny to end a character's name with anus. That all you got for me? That, that, that it for your well, bad guy character? I, I think what sets Jared Hess, and especially this in Gentleman Broncos, because I think a good comparison to at least Gentleman Broncos is to Wes Anderson, is that it lacks Wes Anderson's energy and precision. Indeed. Um, because his stuff is very high energy, but it's very, you know, everything is, it's Swiss watch filmmaking. Everything ratchets into itself at a very specific way. And, uh, the, and Gentleman Broncos feels a much, it feels a very loose movie. Um, goes at a very lazy pace. And, which makes the, which pretty much dis, um, dissuades any real tension, which... Considering the relatively small stakes of the movie aren't totally necessary, but it does make for just a slower, more meditative watch, which would benefit if it spent any time ruminating on its half dozen themes, which it just doesn't, and instead just does its um, knockoff Doctor Who sequences, which I like, but would like better if they kind of tied into anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree. And I, I, I don't want to just, like, repeat myself ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. But I just, like, there is a certain point where I'm just like, I just don't even understand what the joke is. I don't even understand, like, the the blend of... And it's kind of, it, it is the Hess blend of, like, this is a very lackadaisical style of filmmaking. No one's in a hurry... 
to do much of anything. Mm-hmm. No one is in a which is which is again not inherently wrong. Like you're allowed to just like take it. Not everything has mm-hmm. to be like chop 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 chop. But like that style mixed with cartoon characters. Well, not just cartoon. It, again, it's a send up of a very specific thing, which is uncomfortably horny pulp sci-fi from the 60s and 70s Mm -hmm. which i enjoy yes Uh, i i quite like uh pent-up horny sci-fi of the 60s and 70s i'm a uh, logan's run barbarella like these are these are movies Mm. i legitimately put on oh no 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 no, not the movies the books oh the books like jack like um jack vance Mm -hmm. and um sure uh, and and, um and the swords of lankmar and uh john carter that kind of stuff yeah that that kind of that kind of where you look at the cover and it's a a sexy spaceman and always a slave girl somehow (laughs) yeah it's a white slave exactly Uh it's that kind of thing that and which is why which is what what like that's why like cover art is such a big thing because that those books from that period had a very distinct cover art style that and i yeah and i love those yeah. and i like uh, basically all the posters for like film projects i do are like riffs on old pulp covers of some of mm-hmm. some genre or another like i love those that's something i understand weird horny sci-fi authors it's just there wasn't really a take here and mm-hmm honestly tweak this a little bit and make it fully for kids and like yeah you got a movie on your hands which is big fat liar to be fair but like maybe tilt it tilt that world fully to pg and 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 make this one that can play on nickelodeon i don't know i don't know no, it's PG thirteen. Really a snake PG? takes a giant shit. They have like testicles in the movie. There's, there's a. <laughs> you see Sam Rockwell's testicles like in a jar. I I admittedly I well because admittedly because yeah, they kept calling it um, gonad. I thought they were. Remember when Jennifer Coolidge is selling her country balls two for one, and they're in a big ball sack. You can't do that on Nickelodeon. <laughs> I mean, they say ass in hell and As shit well they should. He's the a jungle. filthy jungle man. He would not have our city manners. <laughs> the, uh... The original, uh, Bad News Bears, which is a children's movie, drops an N-bomb yes, in the trailer. Mother, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> um, yeah. Christ. So, uh, Kevin, at one point you said something, uh, you said that you used the term yes. unmoored. Um, uh, as, hey, thanks, and uh, I really liked that. Um, <laughs> of course, uh, that's all I wanted to say. No, um, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I, I hear what both of you guys are saying. Um, the, the thing that I kind of, and, you know, we were talking about Tim and Eric uh, at one point. Uh, I enjoy Tim and Eric up until a point. Um, I like Tom Goes to the Mayor. I like ha- the first half of Awesome Show, and then after that I kind of fall off. Um, 
And so there, there is a limit with me. And uh, Kevin does not care for the works of Jim Hosking. Who? Uh, I do. I do enjoy. Uh, uh, Jim Hosking is who did. I do um, not care. An evening with Beverly Laughlin and a tropical. <laughs> um, one and and I, I I don't know I don't know what I'm saying, but uh, you said unmoored, and I really liked that because you're right in that Jermaine uh, Clement's character is so far removed, kind of from everything mm-hmm. else in this movie. You're right in that the love interests uh, kind of so far, but like. The way I just kind of internalize that with this movie is just having been a person that goes to film school or who's been to film school, everyone is, everyone in this movie, with the exception of the main character, is so far up their own ass mm-hmm. and so far into their own work mm-hmm. that they don't care about anything else. Yep. So it, it, they all feel, uh, keeping with the science fiction theme, they all kind of feel like distant planets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only person in the movie who strives to make any kind of connection with anyone is the main character. Mm-hmm. And he struggles as a person and he struggles as an artist. Uh, and I think it kind of feels like it's because he's trying to connect and because he's trying to like do the right things and say the right things. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to help out other people on their projects with an open mind with the idea of like, uh, yeah, I'll be in your weirdo movie trailer for a romance uh, and I'll do the best I can. Um, And that's, and like, he's so nervous about how he appears Mm -hmm. in that trailer later on the movie that he like, he vomits. Um, And like, he he cares about his art and he cares about like he seems like he wants to do the best for, that he can for, he wants to do the best that he can for his mom he wants to do the best that he can in this weirdo movie trailer he wants the ad- adaptation of his work to be the best that it can be like um for for an audience uh so much so that like he doesn't even want to go to the premiere of of the uh the film version of of yeast lords because like he doesn't feel like it's like the best version of itself like uh he cares intently about more than just himself mm-hmm. uh and he's he struggles because of that oh yeah um yeah. and he... oh sorry oh i was gonna say and 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 that's something i can relate to and then also uh a thing that i related to having gone to the film school that i went to having gone to the section of film two that i went to another a so... section of film two that kevin was also in uh totally can relate and understand like the frustration that comes from a scene in which an instructor gives critiques on works having oh, not read my the god this this guy <laughs> this okay this fucking Talk, guy. All right, story story film two story. which is you know yes. there's a three-step of making movies at uh, webster university and the second step is film two and the uh, first half of class you make movie second half of class you edit movie and of course like early on everyone's like written their scripts for their projects and and it's time to like critique the scripts before anybody films anything but the teacher uh specifically said 
I don't read any of these. I have your classmate read them, and then I give critiques based on what your classmate says. So he's noting a, a script he has not read and just kind of taking someone's word for it. These are ten page it's, scripts. I mean, well, I mean that that is how that is. Well, isn't that how? Yeah, but like, I'm not operate? paying an executive tuition. Yeah, I guess I'm not, I'm not paying them. Um, they're paying it's, me. It's literally the scene in this. It's. <laughs> It's literally the scene in this movie where uh, Jermaine Clement uh, or Chevalier is, like, telling that little girl, like, she's wrong for naming the troll character Teacup and not Trajanus. It's, but he's not read her work and he he doesn't understand the tone. The context. The context. And there's this notion throughout the movie where, like, people kind of feel like art should be one way mm-hmm. and it's their way. Um, and that's more speaking more to like the self-centered nature of a lot of these characters um, and how they kind of like cutthroat and kind of ruthless and, and making things their way. Um, and so like, I don't know, like, I just I I kind of see this movie and it's not a, a not not a note for note uh, recreation not a not a you know not perfect but I just I to me it really really just like for lack of a better word like reeks of the experience uh, that like trying to make art and being in the art world is. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the 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 female character in this movie, the the love interest, like I have met so many people precisely like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like kind does of, she have enough traits for people to be similar to her? Okay, okay, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think so. Um, this she you know she takes advantage. Women and I'm not, are I'm not gonna... one of these people that's saying like all women take it. Um, yeah, I'm not. They're gonna take your money Uh, for tampons and buy chips with them. I do have a very funny story about that later on, uh, (laughs) related to film school, and I'll be happy to share it here with you. Um, But uh, she, she, uh, you know, she's she's very pretentious, uh, and she she thinks her art is very important. and later on, like we hear her novel being read, and it's and it's hog shit, <laughs> um, and uh, and she only takes an interest in Benjamin Purvis when like it's beneficial, uh-huh. um, and I and I've experienced that a lot. Not from I'm not saying that's a thing I've experienced from women. It's a thing I've experienced just from other artists where. Yeah. Um, they just they take an interest in helping you, working with you, if it will benefit them. And of course, like art is a collaborative nature, and it's a business. I understand that, but like, there are a lot of folks I've encountered that are or that are of that kind of mind. Uh, she was uh, all in on the filmmaker, 
because the filmmaker was getting things done. Uh, but then things are going the other way for Benjamin Purvis, and then she was interested. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's just a female characteristic. I think that's an artist yeah. characteristic. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so that's I think that's things like that are a lot of why I really latch on to this movie and I really appreciate it. It's just like, it feels so much like the experience of trying to make art, of kind of going into the art world kind of like, kind of green and kind of like like a babe in the woods. Uh, kind of going into the art world with without thick skin. Uh, going into the art world as like someone who wants like I'm gonna make a I'm gonna write a book and it's gonna it's gonna be a good book and it's gonna do these good things like uh, the experience of kind of like going an optimist going into a cynical world or a pessimistic world or something mm-hmm. um, I, I can relate a lot to like uh, unfortunately I can relate a lot to like being taken advantage of uh, because uh, you know just being perceived as a mark because of, of art that you want to make. Um, and I, and I think that's why it registers with me and, and maybe it's just a thing where it's just like, because I've had a lot of experiences similar to the ones in the film and I've met a lot of people similar to the, those that are in the film that my mind kind of just fills in the blanks on a lot of things. And I'm not saying that like, and this is not me saying like, well, you guys don't get it because you're not true artists. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. Um, just, you know, we all live life at different, you know, life is a staggered marathon. And we all encounter different things at different times. And uh, we all have different experiences, mm. you know. I absolutely get where you're coming from. I think the stuff about, you know, just the struggles of being an artist from Benji's perspective are, the I think, the strongest elements to the movie like God, when he sells the film rights to yeast to um, yeast wars, and uh, find and tries to cash the check, and finds out and realize and finds out it's not he can't check cash it till the following year. Yeah, like that. That like clangs of oh, that's absolutely happened to Hess or like. Anyone who because that's just like oh, because again, no one likes paying the artist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, and that's actually that's actually becoming a growing thing for um for authors is that they don't get their um is that they don't get part of their advance until the books publish. Mm-hmm. Which means they have way less fucking money to go off of because you know they need those advances to live off while they're writing. Yeah. So like, um, it's just it, it, yeah, it's like, and Benjamin is getting taken advantage of a lot, but it all. Mm-hmm. But I do like that the movie does take a minute to show that um, Chevalier is still struggling too, like. Mm-hmm. The supposed hero, this like supposed genius of sci-fi, isn't doing too well either, mm-hmm. and e- and even he is still insecure in his position as an artist. Mm-hmm. Enough so that he's 
willing to plagiarize someone. Exactly. Whenever later on in the movie he says, I hate oh, plagiarists. Yeah. Which is... Uh, he becomes something like his pursuit of trying to make art mm-hmm. makes him the thing he hates. Exactly. <laughs> which is something that I, unfortunately, I'm like, oh yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Right, which is kind of <laughs> yes. why the ending rings a little hollow for me because the ending is that, oh, his mom's been copywriting his books the whole time and he always had the rights to them. And mm. he ends up becoming a bestseller when like, that felt almost a little too optimistic and a little too clean for a movie that I do think does take a very unromantic look at at making art and telling a story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I did feel like it was kind of, and and I could be wrong, I, uh, but like I do, all it shows, to my knowledge, to my to my recollection. All it shows is Chevalier's books being taken off the shelves mm-hmm. and um, and Purvis's books being put on the shelves. Yes. I don't think it explicitly mentions that he makes any money off of it or that he's successful. Mm-hmm. That's um, fair. That's fair. And so, like, I I kind of interpret it as, like... Because the way I'm kind of thinking it is, like... A Million Little Pieces was a fabrication, but it still... <laughs> it, it still mm-hmm. made money and it's still a successful and the thing that made it right who who knows what that was and who knows you know what i mean like uh if there was a book that came out to make a million little pieces right you know that if it is it's a footnote um, well, yeah, no, the guy the guy uh, who wrote the game wrote a follow-up about how pickup artistry ruined his life and like made mm-hmm. and like ruined and like really made his ability to emotionally connect with people a lot harder mm-hmm. but no one reads that and but they still sell copies of the game yeah and i think like there's a i'm a i'm a big fan of david lynch's work depends and i know kevin I, is I, not I, so I much go back and forth. uh but there's uh but there's yeah uh, there's a quote that he that he has, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't remember it exactly, but it's one that I think about a lot, which is, he says that, like, people expect movies to make sense. Why do people expect movies to make sense when life doesn't make sense and they accept that? Um, and I think that, like, a lot of the, like, things like this movie and An Evening with Beverly Leflin and, like, I Think You Should Leave and the first whatever of Tim and Eric and I like a lot of the comedy that I like and I've laughed very hard at and Kevin was in the room for that. He had no reaction to (laughs) whatsoever uh, is all stuff that like for lack of a better term, it's like, is kind of based in insanity Mm -hmm. um, and doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, And I think like, I'm not, I don't know how to put this other than this way. And there's no way for it to, not sound pretentious or whatever, but like, uh, unfortunately, uh, I can relate to trying to stay sane in insane circumstances. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately I can relate to, you know, this like people bursting out and screaming over nothing out of, out of, at the drop of a hat. Um, I mean, it's take, take art that we've made together. Uh, one of Kevin's most famous characters uh, or most recurring characters, whatever, is, like, Jane Austen. 
uh, and one of mine is is Mark Twain, and they are two completely different energies, uh, and they are both different. Like they're different flavors of insanity, um, but if you break down both Kevin's Jane Austen and my Mark Twain, like Kevin's Jane Austen is going to register as more familiar to the real thing than my Mark Twain would, I think. Although the kind of joke with your Mark Twain and like not, and also with like Kevin and a lot of my character and really half of Puffin is that the joke is that the voice and character does not match with them. This is true. This is true. Uh, uh, and that's... Maybe we're getting off topic, but, like, part of what I really like about Puffin is that it's every single type of comedy that's ever been conceived <laughs> uh, in one show. And... Like, including, like, even though we're in audio format, we've still done slapstick. Uh, <laughs> like, we've still done, we've done every kind of... Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, there, It's every kind of comedy, and by themselves, they may not correlate and make sense, but together they do. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I feel that way about um, Gentleman Broncos, in that, like, there are a lot of disparate elements... Uh, and different themes that get touched on a little or get touched on a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but just like, for me, uh, the way they've blended this milkshake is a way that is uh, that I enjoy on my taste buds. Uh, but, you know, like, some people like, uh, you know, chocolate. Some people like Rocky Road mm -hmm. and some people like... Sorbet. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Gelato. Gelato, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. No, I, I don't know I, if any of that made any it. sense whatsoever. Yeah. No, it absolutely no, it, it, it did. It makes sense. It's not that I. It's not that I don't like insanity or like weird stuff, but like I mean, one Lynch is not making straight up comedies. You know what I mean? Like they're their own beasts, mm -hmm. uh, truly. But um, there, there's something about them that is like. I don't know. I just think the alchemy is better. The vision is more certain. Even like, I don't enjoy watching Eraserhead one bit, but I'm like, you sure went full hog on this idea. Like there is, I could not accuse you of like half measures or not having an idea. And whether or not I groove with the idea or whether or not mm. I enjoy watching the idea I'm like you were you were doing a thing, and this I mean one of my it's just a problem I have with this that I was just like you're not doing much of anything for me <laughs> in any in any which way direction it's not it's not insane enough nor mm -hmm. is it constrained enough it just it it just kind of exists in this in this nether space for me uh, but you know I'm I'm glad. You have a movie to enjoy, but yeah, when we were when we were looking over the Hess filmography at the beginning, um, what I was dancing around was like, yeah, this movie nobody liked it, and it like then he never he never recovered. Like, yeah, oh yeah, no, hmm. this this movie absolutely tanked in the box office. It yeah. tanked, and I think, go ahead, 
And oh. I... Mm. Canadian stand-up. Go ahead. Um, no, no, no. I think that it was like... Neither uh. the advertising nor the movie gave a good presentation of what the movie was. And even, like, Napoleon Dynamite, which is essentially a disconnected series of ideas, um, there was something, I guess, definable about that guy and the way he looked. And, and you know, vote for Pedro was a t-shirtable catchphrase. But there's just, like, I remember seeing the ads for this, and I was like, what the fuck? What? What the fuck is going on here? What? <laughs> what is happening? Um, Security exactly. does. And then, like, Don Verdeen sort of just, like, appeared one day. I didn't even, like, catch an ad for Don Verdeen. Um, and then Masterminds was in that Logan Lucky era of redneck crime. Like, what if, <laughs> what if country people did crime? And it just, unfortunately, it just it just didn't take off with anybody. For for what it's worth, uh, if you've not seen it, Kevin, I think you'd really like Don yeah. Verdine. Uh, but it's it's very much it's very much not start. what Good Gentleman start. Broncos is. Um, it's <laughs> it's stripped back. It's stripped back as far as like a full on Jared Hessness, but like. How do I, well, this is something that Kevin and I talk. We're just going to talk about every piece of art all of us have ever made together, ever. <laughs> um, Great. Uh, at one point on a podcast, Kevin and I were talking about the Coen Brothers, and uh, Kevin really likes Barton Fink, and I think Barton Fink's all right. I like, yeah, it's good. Um, but I really like Eraserhead, and Kevin's like, it's a thing. But also, Eraserhead and Barton Fink are kind of the same movie. Uh, and I'm not disparaging either or of them. Um, I think it just, like, shakes out to, like, sensibilities. Uh, if you break it down, Coke and Pepsi are the same drink. Uh, but, you know, uh, if I go to a, a place and they have Pepsi... I'll ask for water instead. <laughs> if that makes no, any it does. sense, at it all. does. It does. It does check out, and that's why I've tried. You know, I've I've tried to as much as I can, like account for sensibilities here, where I was like, this did not gel mm -hmm. for me, uh, one bit. But you know that that could be comedy is very subjective. Mm -hmm. it, it's chalked up to uh, taste, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, some people love mm -hmm. epic movie. Um, some people don't, and that's that's just the way it goes. Speaking of another mm -hmm. another Jennifer Coolidge joint, mm -hmm. um, underused Jennifer Coolidge in this film. <laughs> Not enough of the Coolidge. I think just as in general. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge uh, underused. Oh yeah, not enough Jennifer. Coolidge. Well, I, I like that uh, they actually Jennifer. use their use Jennifer Coolidge for drama, which is she is woefully underutilized for. That's certainly mm -hmm. true. I like her. She always kills, you know, on, on party down, and uh, oh, yeah. she's she's the best. She, we love her. All the Christopher Guest uh, joints that she finds herself in, nothing but respect. For Jennifer. Legally blonde. What, what can we say? What can we say? 
American Pie. What can we say? Uh, Bobbleheads the movie. What can we say? Not Christ. just uh, Two Broke Girls. 124 episodes of Two Broke Girls. <laughs> I guess Ooh, she was she, a big She doesn't player. need to work a day in her life anymore. No, not after 124 episodes of Two Broke Girls, baby. She got that Two Broke Girls. She's not a broke girl anymore. One Rich Woman. <laughs> two, two Broke Girls, One Rich Woman. <laughs> one Rich Woman. Actually, probably several Rich Women because you got Cat Dennings. Yes, uh, yes. you have the, the other lead of Two Broke Girls, you know, the, the girl. The, the blonde one. The other girl. One is... Uh, the other broke girl. Yeah, the, the other... Girl. <laughs> the other... That's my favorite, uh, sequel to The Other Boleyn Girl, is The Other Broke The Other Broke Girl. girl. It's a romance drama about the two broke girls trying to fuck a king or whatever. Uh, bad episode. Uh, throw it in the trash. Game over. Game over, man. Game over. Well, this was a good no, episode. it was fine. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do think it's very interesting how, um, I, I've, I've read that, like, we were talking about Netflix at one point, Ooh. and I've read that, like, uh, I don't think Napoleon Dynamite is on Netflix anymore, but whenever it was on, or back whenever Netflix was just discs, whenever it was just discs you get via, Still via the mail. Still it is. Back when it was just that, um, I had heard that, like, at one point, how do I put this? It's like, Napoleon Dynamite was just, like, one of the hardest things for Netflix to kind of, like, incorporate into their algorithm. Um, you know, like, Nicole and I have been watching Star Trek and because we've watched all the original series and all the animated series and we're on the second to last season of the next generation, Netflix is like, all right, well, you got to check out deep space nine. You got to check out Voyager, but then it's also, you got to check out lost in space. You got to check out and it, you know, it's, it's able to curate things it recommends to us based on what we've watched. And from what I understand that like Napoleon dynamite for Netflix was a big, like, was a big like spanner in the works was this big thing where it's just like, we don't know who to recommend this to. We don't know who's going to like it and who's not going to like it. We don't know what to do with it. Um, it's, it's just a, a very polarizing thing. Uh, and so it's kind of a fitting that another Jared Hess thing is very polarizing on this show. Uh, <laughs> where we talk about, media and media consumption um i uh, i don't think it's a bad episode uh i i do feel bad that uh that i rec i i i asked you guys to watch it <laughs> because uh i i generally want to be a person that brings happiness into the world and this, so i <laughs> this, no i think gentleman broncos is generally like my current relationship with napoleon dynamite and that i think it's i prefer talking about them than actually watching them and hearing what people have to say having watched them. Sure. Justin yeah. is the middle head. And I am, mm -hmm. you know, I Justin is in purgatory. Vern is in heaven and I'm in hell. And that's just the way it goes. <laughs> I'm a little sinner. I'm a little sinner down here in hell. Well, I, I don't know. I uh... just, getting, just getting munched on by Satan. That's right. I and it's I the South Park Satan. Uh... And that guy's fucked up. Yeah. Sex with Satan. I'm going to 
I was gonna say, I don't know. I I related a lot to this movie, and I related to uh, <laughs> being fucked over by people I care about. So maybe I'm the one that's in hell, and you're the one that's no. in hell. No. But, <laughs> but <laughs> movie heaven, but real hell. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's uh, two different, two different things. Two different ones. Uh, I, I, I guess like. I don't know if probably out of every episode that we've done, if there's ever an episode that people are like, well, I guess I got to see this movie. uh, It's this one because uh, apparently it's a litmus test and it reacts to what you bring to it. Uh, Absolutely. It is a movie Uh, without a Kevin or a Justin post in your <laughs> comments which one which host you are and then also while you're in the comment thread do a bang Mary kill of all three of us which one would you bang oh, which, one please. Would you, which one would you kill oh my god um, yes <laughs> just that oh, curiosity please. all um, right fuck Mary kill bang and bury you both and then kill myself Broncos <laughs> Broncos and never main reppin' for the Broncos, 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 and never main we reppin' for the Broncos. She a rude girl. All right. Uh, now behind the camera. Fuck Mary Kill. Creator of HBO's Enlightened. Mike White. Writer of Orange County. Mike White. Uh, or screenplay for the Emoji Movie. Mike White. Fuck Mary Kill. <laughs>